This is 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the real road warrior, the guy who's out there in New Jersey beating a path for 80s wrestling to continue to live on. I'm talking about none other than Tommy Wildfire Fierro. Tell him, Tommy. Ah, what a rush. Fun episode today, man. I'm looking forward to this. What many consider to be the most dominant tag team in the history of professional wrestling. We're talking all about the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom, the LOD, Hawk, and Animal. But before we dive in off the top rope into a doomsday device, I got to know, Tommy, what's life been like in New Jersey this past week? Well, good morning, Jumping Jay. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing so good. I'm excited. I'm happy. The sun is shining. Fill me in on what's been going on in the world of Tommy Fierro. Well, it was, uh, it's been a real busy couple of days here in New Jersey. Uh, this past Monday night, I know I mentioned it on last week's episode, we were in New York, sitting at New York City at the Cutting Room for the music concert, the music that's going to be played in the last match pro wrestling rock musical. So they debuted the music. This past Monday night, man, it was, if you were there, anyone that was there, and, and most of my ISW guys were there, uh, it was awesome. And it was, it was literally standing room only. They had to put the concert on the big screen in the front bar area because downstairs and upstairs was packed. It was an unbelievable turnout. Uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake was there. Dave LaGreca was there from Busted Open. Uh, the majority of all the ISW superstars were there. So, yeah, man, it, it was a really, really, really cool deal. And uh, I posted a bunch of pictures of the event on my, my personal Facebook page. Again, anyone that listens to the show, I, I post the majority of my shows and events and signings on there. Just Tommy Fierro on, on, on Facebook with two R's. You can, uh, you can reach out to me there and, and, and see those pictures. And then, Jay, uh, we struck a deal with the New Jersey Fair, which is going on here in New Jersey from August the 5th to August the 13th, I'm doing Pro Wrestling Week at the New Jersey State Fair for nine consecutive nights. Uh, from August 5th to the 13th, we'll have a different wrestler appearing there every night. And check out this lineup, Jay. Uh, it just was released last night. August 5th will be Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. August 6th, The Boogeyman. August 7th, get ready for this. I didn't even tell you this one yet, Jay. Jim Ross makes an extremely rare New Jersey appearance with ISPW and the Wrestling Collector at the New Jersey State Fair on Sunday, August the 7th. August 8th, we're going to have Enzo there. August 9th, Doink the Clown, Ray Apollo. August 10th, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. August 11th, Greg the Hammer Valentine. August 12th, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase and rounded out jay august the 13th the last night of the fair x-pac in the house at the new jersey state fair sponsored by the wrestling collector and ispw wrestling oh my word nine nights of fantastic wrestling action i gotta be honest i'm jealous tommy that is quite the way to spend a little over a week hanging out with absolute legends from the squared circle. I don't know how you continue to, well, I do know how you continue to do it, man. You are, you got an engine that just won't quit and you keep pounding the pavement. And I get excited every time I talk to you because I know something cool is happening <laughs> on your end. And so I'm happy for you, man. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. And, and the main thing is, is, I mean, obviously we want to have you know, a lot of fans show up to meet all these wrestling stars, but it's a good marketing tool for me because the New Jersey State Fair draw is literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So uh, to be able to promote my store there, the Wrestling Collector, uh, which is located on Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey. Actually, this Saturday, if you live in the New, New Jersey area, we're going to have Buff Bagwell in the house this Saturday at the Wrestling Collector from 1 to 4 p.m. So if you live in the New Jersey area, a, a rare signing with Buff Bagwell at the store this coming Saturday. And um, the following Sunday, we're going to have the 24th. We're going to have Harvey Whippleman in the store as well. So uh, 
it's a good marketing tool for me to promote the store. And then also ISBW, which, you know, we, we have our next big show coming up on Friday, August the 19th at St. Anthony's Church Gym in Butler, New Jersey. The main event for that one, Jay, check this out, a TLC match for the ISPW World Tag Team titles. The Birds of the Sun put the titles on the line against the Now and Crowbar and Personal Pain. The uh, complete lineup and tickets will go on sale today, later, uh, probably in a couple hours, on the ISPWWrestling.com website. So, yeah, man, just, uh, just plugging along, my man, plugging along. Plugging along, and that's why I call you the road warrior, because you're always looking down the road and seeing what's coming up next. Coming up next for this show, we are talking about the road warriors, Hawk and Animal. If you're listening, if you can hear our voices, feel free to give us a call. The call-in number is 516-595-8295. We're going to go to the slam line now. Up first, from the beautiful, hot, Butler, New Jersey area, unless he's still out of the country, let's check in with Danny. Danny, welcome to the show, brother. Tommy, jumping Jay, I'm I'm home. I'm not a I'm not a out on vacation. I'm back to reality now. <laughs> yeah, we all are, brother. Yeah, man, it's uh, it, it actually feels good to be home because I felt like, you know seven days out there. Uh, you know, my, my boys, I felt like they put me in the doomsday device every day. That's how I'm, I'm fried. I bet, so I bet you, I bet your wallet feels like it's taking a doomsday device also. <laughs> nah, you know what? Well, listen, that's what you, if you do all inclusive, it's all good. Like I said, you just go out there, you tip them and, you know, you might, you know, buy a couple little things, you know, little mementos. But other than that, uh, you know, I, I, I was, I, I did pretty good. I was lucky. Well, I heard you're a big tipper. Uh, is that true? Ah, listen, man. I I try to be as generous as I can. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I you know, I, I try to support people. You know, they they go out there, they work hard. You know, if you if you get treated right. You know, it's only right to uh, return the favor. So, like I said, that's just the, that's just the, the that's just the person I am. Love it, Danny. I hope you guys had a great time, made some long lasting memories. Right now, we're talking about memories of one of the most dominant tag teams to ever step foot inside the squared circle. Tell me, Danny, what are your favorite memories and moments? What comes to mind when you hear the Road Warriors? Ah, uh, well, you know, like I said, I, you know, you know, me, my, you know, yourself, Tommy, you know, we all, you know, grew up uh, predominantly WWF fans, you know, the Road Warriors, they, uh, you know, before they hit the WWF, obviously, you know, they were, you know, all over. You know, they made their mark in the AEWA, the NWA. Um, you know, they had some, uh, you know, great runs there. Uh, you know, when, you know, but like I said, my favorite thing is obviously when they got to the to the WWF around, was it the summer of 90? They, you know, that they, they that's when I really got to enjoy them. Um, you know, it kind of, it, it's kind of shameful that they didn't really get a run with demolition when they were at their peak, you know, at, at that time they were, you know, headed, you know, they were, you know, the, the, the heat, I mean, not the heat, their um, popularity was kind of waning, you know, you know, obviously Axe, you know, had his health problems. So they brought in crush. So it kind of, it kind of didn't really work out. It, it wasn't really hot enough, but you know, you know, they, they, they gained their steam. And uh, like I said, my big, my biggest memory, because, I happened to be there was, uh, at, you know, at SummerSlam 91 when they they beat the Nasty Boys for the titles for the first time. And, you know, you talk about a a pop, you know, whenever that, you know, whenever you hear that, you know, that hawk, when it's, once you heard that on the on the speaker, you know, it was go time. You, you don't get much of a better pop than that when uh, you heard that song come on. You know, like I said, that was a, a, a tremendous experience I knew eventually they were going to get the titles and, you know, it, it kind of was kind of short lived their, their run in WWF, you know, for, you know, many reasons, but, you know, they definitely made their mark. You know, they had a good run, you know, they had, you know, matches with, you know, some matches with the Rockers, you know, they had a good, uh, you know, run with the natural disasters. And then I, I think they, you know, they lost the titles. I think that there was to money Inc after the Royal rumble in 92, I believe. So it kind of was uh short lived, but, they are, you know, that that team definitely, you know, you could make an argument that they they probably are the the greatest tag team 
to, you know, ever step into the square circle, you know, the work that they did, you know, they obviously they were in that era um, of tag team wrestling that, you know, that was pretty much still in the, the golden age with, you know, a stacked lineup of talented teams that they would uh, be up against. And, you know, so like I said, you you know, you talk about tag team wrestling, you can't mention, not mention the, the role warriors, the Legion of Doom. They just, uh, they were colorful. They were charismatic. You know, they, they were, you know, legit tough guys that went out there and, you know, they just, that, that pounding, the ground and pound style, it just, uh, it complemented them so well. And, you know, they, they definitely fed off each other. They both knew how to work the mic. They both were colorful. And, you know, having uh, Paul Ellering on that side too also kind of helped them also because he was a tremendous behind the mic also. So that's, you know, that's my memories of uh, LOD. Uh, when I, you know, going back, you know, to the 80s and early 90s. Danny, let me ask you this: in doing preparing in preparing for this show, doing a little bit of research, I found a top 10 list of Road Warrior moments. I kid you not, one of the very top ones was the event you were at, where they beat the Nasty Boys, and they said when the Road Warriors won the titles, beat the Nasty Boys, that the arena got crazy loud and it was one of the biggest pops of a, of a victory that that they've ever heard you were there tell me when they got the one two three and they beat the nasty boys how loud did it get inside that arena you know I, well i was 10 at that time so you know I, I could you know pretty much you know recount it you know step by step it was you know the pop when they were you know they came out the, you know coming down the aisle to the you know the pop when they you know they put the the doomsday device I, I believe it was uh on sag uh, on knobs I'm sorry uh knobs is the one with the dark hair right sags has the dark hair knobs is the blonde yes, sir. one yeah so it, it was I think it was on uh yeah the the one with the dark hair I always for some reason I always get their names mixed up but you know that the pop that they got you know you got to remember too that the mat the match before. It was the natural disasters and the bushwhackers when they had uh, the the bushwhackers had Andre in their corner. So after the match, you know the the, the natural disasters were going to try to do something to Andre, and then that's when you know the the road warriors came out to defend them. And you know you're thinking like I'm I'm as a kid I'm thinking like oh man, you know they, they're doing this, and then all of a sudden they're gonna. You know, I have a feeling that the natural disasters are going to come out in a, in a, in a, in a kind of affect the match going forward, but it, it didn't happen. So they kind of, you know, they did a good job of saving the the drama for the, you know, upcoming feud, and, you know, it didn't take away from them. So I was, you know, like I said, that's a memory. That pop of them winning those tag team titles, you know, it was you, 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 that's a priceless moment that you'll never forget. Absolutely, man. All right, Danny, before we let you go, I have one more question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Remember when Axe and Smash added the third member, Crush? When that happened, my brothers and I would have the discussion, if other tag teams added a third member, what, and you were, that, you were that third member, what would you choose as your name to join the team? So if you had to join Animal and Hawk, Danny, what name would you go with? Nice. Oh, man. You, you're talking I'm putting about, you on the spot. Yeah. You, you, oh man, that's that's a you know you you definitely got me there. You know Good I'm question. not a, you know that I would I would leave that up to Tommy because he's the he's the brain behind the business and he's the you know that's you know he's you know when you talk about having a wrestling mind, you know he would that's something that I would have to have him task from to to do because uh, he's he's the promoter he's the one you know. With the creative mind, I I, 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 I I appreciate that, brother, and I and I have an answer for you. So the I, I, answer, the answer you know, is the answer is is that obviously LOD two thousand went on to be Hawk, Animal, and Puke. Now, if we were going to do this back in the eighties, which is what I'm assuming Jay was talking about, but what your name would have been if you were part of that team. We, we, we could have took that name Puke, Jay, and I'll tell you why, because I, I, I see my man Danny in some of the, the bars in the uh, Butler area about 3 o'clock in the morning, and, oh, man, he can oh. down them. He can down them. He's, he's, he's the original Puke. 
you 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 must mistaken me for somebody else, Tommy. I don't know. I can't. I, I I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> Smart man, Danny. But Smart uh, yeah, man. I, would, I would definitely I would definitely uh that that that's a good that you know that, that I I'm actually gonna think about that and you know next uh next week I'll definitely try to come up and give you a creative answer. Uh, you give me seven days to think about that and uh, next week. Seven uh, days. Um, you know you. So I'll that sounds, I'll, by that next week I'll, I'll I'll definitely have an answer. But uh, you guys uh you guys take care. You have a a great weekend and uh, let the the rest of the callers get their uh, their uh, words in. Sounds good, Danny. Thank you so Thanks, much. Brother. Have an awesome weekend. Uh, all right, you guys take care. I don't know if you ever did that when you were a kid, Tommy. If you ever talked about different wrestling names, but. Uh, that conversation happened in my house frequently about if you were going to be the third member of a team, what your moniker would be. I like that. I like that question. I think you should ask the next caller as well. Well, I, he's listening. He's waiting in the wings. We're going to be talking to Brian right now. He's the brain, but he might have a different name when he becomes the third member of LOD. Brian, welcome back to the show, brother. How is things going in California? Oh, it's uh, it was a little hot this week earlier, and uh, now it's cooled off into the upper 90s, so not too bad. Cooled off, <laughs> cooled off. into the upper 90s. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, What's up, Brian? Uh, uh, I'm doing well, I, uh, and so I'm guessing uh, Jeremiah James was uh, pleased with the response at the uh, at the showing Monday night. Oh, it was awesome, man. It was really, really awesome. If you, if you go on... Uh, if you go on uh, Instagram and type in the last match musical and then do a search on it as far as like the hashtag, I think you might see a couple like short clip videos from the from the concert this past Monday. But it was awesome, man. It was really really good. And again, anyone out there listening, uh, please follow uh, the last match on all social media. It's the last match musical on Instagram on uh, the the World Wide Web. It is. Uh, the, the last match musical.com and on Facebook it's the last match pro wrestling musical and uh, please yeah follow it on all forms of social media it's gonna it's gonna literally be the next big thing awesome I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, guess that you're far too busy to ask Brutus where he was at WrestleMania three waiting between his match and uh, and cutting Adrian's hair but you know uh, what on the I, slim I chance on the slim chance you had time oh, oh crap I forgot to ask the question but yeah I, I was I'm sorry. Oh no, I can I can imagine you got a million things to do, so uh, no no worries on that. And and it, maybe it's better as a mystery anyway. Yes, maybe. Maybe. Hey, uh, the Road Warriors. Uh, for me, uh, the thing about those guys is it it didn't matter that we only got WWF primarily where I was at, and you guys same thing. Um, basically, that was just this team that you knew about them. And then when you did get to see a little bit, you'd hear maybe Iron Man, you'd see them come into the ring. And, and when that, you know, those first, uh, those first notes of the, the guitar on Iron Man started playing and you saw the pop that they got, it, you knew that, that that was a team that was unlike any other. And it was just something where, you know, they kept AWA after uh, AWA lost all that talent, uh, 84, 85, I believe the Road Warriors were the top dogs in that promotion, 84, 85 into 86, and, and NWA. It's Basically, they kept businesses viable, and they kept uh, Pan. They had a great run, too. So that was just some – that was a team that was unlike any other where you you knew that you liked – like, I, I love the Bulldogs. I love the Hard Foundation. But when you saw the Road Warriors, you're like, those guys looked like they could kick any team's ass. And so that – that uh, combination, they were the free agents that went wherever they want, wanted to, made a lot of money wherever they wanted to, and career-wise, maybe it's best they didn't go to the WWF and that they, they were able to tear it up around the, the territories for seven years before they made their way over. But uh, that it, it's kind of like, uh, uh, well, Jay, you have your, your fun park there in uh, Minnesota with the laser tag and everything. If there was a new game in town and they came up with some – new rival attraction that that you knew you just had to have but they were the only ones that could get it it'd just be a thorn in your side and i feel like the road warriors were 
a thorn in Vince's side for a lot of years until he could get a hold of him. You know, it's like uh, uh, the three networks fighting over football, and there was only two conferences. So, you know, whoever got the NFC and whoever got the AFC, the other network was just, damn, I wish I had them. And, and I feel like the Road Warriors were that for so many years. Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah, I think you raise a very good point because the Road Warriors were unlike anything the wrestling scene had seen up until that point. And you could argue that there was a lot of attempts to copy them or to clone them, but everybody knows there's only one real deal. And for that type of tag team, the dominant, two big muscular guys, the face paint, the look, the intimidation, there is only one real McCoy, and everybody knows that is, in fact, the Road Warriors. Yeah, I'd, I'd almost compare them to, you know, WWF being on top for all those years, and then it circled back around to, you know, the NWA came out, and there was just no answer for it. And in the tag team division in the mid-'80s, it was the same thing. You know, there's there's talent everywhere, but there was no answer to the Road Warriors that could go head-to-head and make other fans say, I love wrestling in the WWF, I love it in uh, whatever – area you grew up in but you see across the way you're like ah oh, shit i wish we had those guys those guys would be awesome and danny you know hit it on the head too i mean it's i i, I wanted that demolition road warriors matchup but if it had happened in 1988 it would have been so much sweeter so yep that's a very good point yeah i was Tom, i was gonna say, say real, i was gonna say real quickly also is, is you brought up a good point like those guys, even as a kid, like, and, and, and I, I watched NWA. I'm like, there's no, no mistake, I'm a WWF guy, kid growing up. But, you know, I watched the NWA as well. And even as, even as a kid, when you saw the Road Warriors come out, even as a child, you knew, like, literally, someone was going to get their ass kicked. Like, shit's about to get real when those guys come out. And you go, you go back now as an adult. And you, you watch some of that stuff, and those guys, man, you, you, like, you know, you knew when they came out, shit was about to hit the fan. And that's a, a, a big, big, big attribute to them. It's, it's, a, it's a great quality to have, to not even be able to say one word and be able to just walk out there, and you know this guy's, these guys are bad mother effers. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a big part of their gimmick. And, and it wasn't really a gimmick, because I guarantee if those two guys walked in the bar – uh, you get the same reaction as you did uh, the, the opponents that are in the ring against them. Yeah, I want to say they came out of that same uh, – I, I want to say it was called Grandma Bees or something like that. Uh, uh, they were bouncers up in that bar in, uh, in Minnesota where several other guys were as well before they got in the wrestling business. And uh, if you got out of line in that place, you got uh, Doomsday Device tossed out uh, in an unfriendly way, I'm sure. <laughs> And uh, I, I, I'll let you guys get to other calls. I I, uh, I, I love talking to you and uh, want to just wish you all the best as usual. Well, Brian, Absolutely, before we man. let you go, we got a very important question to ask you. If in the 80s you were tapped on the shoulder to join the Road Warriors and become their third member, do you have any idea what you would choose as a name? that would suit you well going with Hawk and Animal? It would probably be don't tag in. That, that would be me. I'd be the five-foot-six the five guy like that, that they'd say that or, or stay over there. That might be a good one also. They're just just uh, how about watch? You just watch, okay? One of those Listen. three ideas might be best for me. <laughs> I, I think that gimmick would have a very long career. I think health-wise, you'd stay very healthy. You'd just be able to see a lot. You'd have the best seat in the house for a lot of great matches. I, I like that idea. I, I could try to lift up those three six-man belts and carry them if, if possible. <laughs> you know, or Paul E. might be a Paul Ellering might be able to hold one of them, and I hold the other two. That would be my job. I could hold up the tag rope for the other guy. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, Brian, thank again, you guys. for calling we'll talk in, to you soon. Have an awesome weekend. You guys too. Take care. All right, Tommy. We're talking the Road Wars, the Legion of Doom. Listen, we both grew up WWF guys. There's no hiding that fact. But we both know that when it comes to being one of the greatest tag teams of all times, 
the Road Warriors are going to be near the top of every wrestling fans list, those guys that grew up in our generation, our era for sure. So let me ask you this. I'm not going to ask you where you rank them because I look at ranking wrestling kind of like a favorite flavor of ice cream. It can change periodically depending on the mood you're in and what you've recently been uh, putting into your face. And so if you've been watching a lot of Road Warrior stuff, you're going to rank them higher. If you're coming off a demolition binge, you're going to put them higher on the list. So we won't rank them. But I want to know from you, from a promoter, from somebody who is trying to get butts in seats, what was the magical thing that the Road Warriors brought to the table in this time period? Well, like I I mentioned earlier, I think that uh, part of their mystique was just, you know, they came out through that curtain to that badass music. And you knew as a kid or as an adult, someone was about to get their asses handed to them because that's how they carry themselves. They carry themselves like such superstars. And, you know, I, 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 th- I thought about this episode, cause, and I always said, you know, I, I like Demolition better, but when you picked this topic this morning and I started thinking about the Road Warriors and their, you know, their place in history in this industry, they, they, they have to be right at the very top of it. And if you go back and you watch, you know, some of the NWA stuff before they, you know, became, you know, WWF superstars, uh, you know, they were a, a little bit edgier in NWA. And uh, yeah, man, it just, I think that was a big, it was everything though. It was, uh, you know, Hawk was a fantastic, I mean, their, their interviews were, were, were unique and different. Uh, they looked so much different than everybody else. Uh, they were colorful with the different paint and the, the spikes and it just, it was, they, 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 in our business, we call it the it factor and they surely, surely had the it factor from more than they checked off more boxes than not as far as being an overall it factor. Cause there's a, a lot of different things, you know, um, you know, look and, and interview skills and, and work rate and, and their work rate, the granted, they weren't Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko, but they didn't need to be at all at all and 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 uh and, and they weren't bad workers at all to begin with so uh, i just think that they checked off a lot of boxes in that um in that department of just having the it factor in, in in multiple different areas and uh i think that was part of the reason why they were so successful and uh, how about you jay what's your what's your take on that well, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think when it comes to that type of tag team, big, powerful, intimidating, face paint wearing, you could either say, even add the black um, leather, you could add spikes. They were the original. And so they were the first time that you were seeing that on a grand stage of wrestling. So they introduced that look and that style of tag team wrestling into the environment and so when it comes to being the original they get that credit when it comes to being influential as far as encouraging or sparking others to quote unquote copycat their style and their appearance when you're the first and you do it at such a high level you're going to have teams come behind you that want to kind of copy what you're doing and we definitely saw that throughout the wrestling scene Now, you mentioned at the start start of your conversation there that you were a demolition guy. You know, demolition is my favorite take team of all time as well. So I'd like to just take a little bit of time and talk a little bit about the comparison, the matchup between demolition and Legion of Doom. So I'm going to throw some things at you, and I want to get your feedback on them, okay? Legion of Doom Doom is well-known for winning lots of titles, in lots of places. If you go to their Wikipedia page and you scroll down to championships, it won't fit on a single page, a screen. you got to scroll down. There's that many. We're talking Japan. We're talking AWA. We're talking WCW, NWA. Anywhere you could win championship gold, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, they did that. On the flip side of that corn, everybody knows Demolition had the longest title reign in the biggest company on the planet. So, Tommy, I'm going to go to you. In your mind, what would be more 
impressive or what is more impressive and what would be more satisfactory to you as a performer? Would you rather win multiple championships in every federation you go to, or would you rather be the record holder for the longest title reign in the biggest company? Tough question. Uh, Tough question. I guess there's no yeah, wrong answer. No, no, there's not. I guess it's going to be a matter of preference as far as what the, what that person thinks. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, me personally, uh, just as I would say probably multiple different titles and multiple different promotions. They both showcase a dominance, just a different type road warriors. I mean, the name fits, they're on the road, they're traveling to different areas and they're dominating everywhere they go. Demolition, WWF product born and raised there dominated the tag team division at a time where tag team wrestling in the WWF was at a very high level, probably the highest level ever. And so for them to have the longest title reign during that era, a dominance. And I think the fact that they dominated in two different ways is what kind of put them on a collision course in fans' minds that wanted us see them go head to head so bad. The other thing, Tommy, is, if you really look at the body of work, Demolition had great, great matches in the WWF. They were part of a fantastic collection of tag teams at that time, and they put on great matches. The majority of the Road Warriors' best matches took place outside of the WWF. When they got to the WWF, the division wasn't what it once was. Uh, their personal problems may have been more apparent or more effective, uh, especially Hawk. So most of their matches, their quality, their, uh, their best matches take place outside of the World Wrestling Federation. Do you have uh, a take on that? If that's important in their history to wrestling fans, or if that's just, that's just the way it was and that's the way it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's just, just the way it was. That's the way it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like comparing apples and oranges with demolition and, and, and the road warriors. Anyway, I just want to make mention of that because I, like I said, you said they were your favorite tag team of all time. And they were my, as, actually when I was a little kid, I was, I was a big British bulldog uh, fan, right. but I, I grew on, I grew like you to love action smash demolition, but you know, you know, not, not being biased, you know, being an outsider looking in on the deal. Like I, their, demolition was my preference. Uh, but again, I was a WWF kid growing up so but if you look any understanding the business now and you know and 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 looking back at it and then you know the runs that both of those guys had and and trust me both had absolutely phenomenal runs i'm a huge 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 demolition demolition fan but you can't i don't think that anyone if you ask them uh who was you know if if you asked 500 people that are in the business right now whether they be in the wwf wwe aw uh, Ring of Honor, whatever promotion, Independence, whatever promotion it might be. If you if you surveyed 500 uh, people that are in the business today, and you ask them who is the greatest tag team of all time, uh, after after taking the tally after 500, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that the Road Warriors would would probably wind up on top. What, what's your take on that? I think the history of wrestling will favor the Road Warriors over Demolition. I think. The Road Warriors' dominance all around the country, all around the globe, puts them at a different uh, notability inside wrestling fans' minds. I think Demolition will always be considered by fans as one of the or the greatest WWF tag team of all time. I think the fact that they're not in the Hall of Fame um, doesn't help that fact. I think they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I think if they could ever mend that fence and get in the Hall of Fame, I think WWF, if they would push some of their old matches, put out some demolition DVDs, I think you'd introduce a whole new generation of fans to them and people would fall in love with them. But I think history favors uh, the Legion of Doom. Before we take our next caller, Tommy, the last thing I want to ask you about is once the Road Warriors came to the World Wrestling Federation, they would take on demolition in Dozens of matches, mostly on house shows, but a couple notable pay-per-view matches. Every single time that those two teams met, whether it was two-on-two or whether they were doing 
three-on-three, the the Road Warriors would sometimes add the Ultimate Warrior and take on all three members of Demolition. But every time they wrestle, the Legion of Doom won. Demolition does not hold a victory over the Legion of Doom in any of their matches. Why do you think Vince McMahon booked it that way? And do you think that if it would have been a more equal feud, that the feud would have delivered better to us fans? Yeah, I think it was a. I, I'm happy you brought that up. I didn't even realize that those statistics you just said that. Um, but in my opinion, I, I think that the, the the usually missed opportunity. And I'm sure that anyone that's an old school fan like me or you or the majority of people listening right now, because if you're listening to the '80s wrestling the podcast, they're '80s fans as well. So I, I think that uh, we can all probably agree on the fact that the biggest drop ball from the WWF at the time was when the Legion of Doom came over and they didn't wind up doing the first Legion of Doom demolition match at WrestleMania. That is a WrestleMania marquee match, dream match. They dropped the ball usually on that, just like they dropped the ball usually when Ric Flair first came to the WWF, not having Ric Flair against Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. Two gigantic matchups that could have happened but didn't and if you, you have to wonder it had to be a situation where you know you know Vince you know didn't have those guys out of the gate uh wanting them to have guys that he didn't create himself main event Wrestlemania or be in a, a marquee major Wrestlemania appearance for their first time I think that uh they dropped the ball tremendously on both I think Hogan and Hogan and, and Flair I think their first match might have been on a house show how is that not the main event of Wrestlemania and how is Demolition versus the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, how is that not their first match, not at WrestleMania? So I think that's two hugely, hugely drop balls there. I think you're absolutely right. I think those are both matchups that fans wanted to see and would have paid to see. But for some reason, it just didn't get delivered the way we would have liked to have seen. We're going to come back to our conversation, Tommy. But first, we're going to check in with a longtime listener. Friend of the show, Tom from Parsippity. Tom, welcome back to the program. Hey guys, what's going on? Happy uh, Happy Eighties Wrestling Podcast Day. <laughs> hey Tom, what's going on, brother? How are you, man? Doing good, doing good. Thank you so much. And I, of course, I got to give you my oh, what a rush for the Legion nice. of Doom. Sounds just um, like them. favorite memory of them, uh, as far as the WWF is concerned, is I was able to get to. Uh, I actually went to uh, SummerSlam 91 in uh, Madison Square Garden, and I remember when they uh, they beat the Nasty Boys for the titles, and uh, that the the ceiling of that that place came off. I I don't I've been to a lot of cards at the Garden over the years, and uh, <clears throat> at the Meadowlands too, guys, and I don't remember it being as loud as it was when uh, when they when they uh, you know gave the uh, gave uh, the Nasty Boys the Doomsday Device and uh, won the title. That was incredible. That was really incredible. And obviously they were, you know, mainstays, uh, the core uh, tag team in the NWA slash WCW for many, many years. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's been said already, but, of course, the only I believe they're the only tag team to win the world titles in the AWA, NWA, and WWF. So that's incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I got a chance to meet um, in the late '90s um, after they did a uh, they did an, a, a show at the uh, Meadowlands. I got a chance to meet uh, Road Warrior Animal. Uh, I believe his name was Joe Laranitis, and he was a great guy, very friendly, uh, just a tremendous person. I remember he told me a, a story that um, that his son was was a really good football player. I guess his son at the time was like in middle school, and he said, "Oh, my son's got a chance to be a really good football player," and and um, you know, and he's like, oh, he's maybe got a chance to play uh, college football one day. And it turned out that um, his son ended up playing for Ohio State and then played in the NFL, which was incredible. So that was a great story. I, I, I was able to, you know, sit with him and, and have uh, – he actually sat with me for a while. We, we chatted, and, and it was just just some great, great memories. And unfortunately, uh, you know, he passed away in uh, 2020 at the uh, young age of 60 years old. But uh, and of course, both of them are gone now. But just uh, just a fantastic tag team and so many great memories. 
Absolutely, man. 100% you know? agree. So I, Tom, I'm, I'm going to send a question your way. We've been asking every caller yeah. this morning the same question. If in the 80s you were tapped on the shoulder to become the third member of the Road Warriors, you'd be teaming with Animal and Hawk. Tom, what would you pick as your moniker, as your name, to suit you as a member of the Road Warriors? Oh, man. I guess, um, you know what, I'd have to go with the nickname. I'd have to go with the uh, the Stallion. Ooh, I'd the Stallion. Yeah. Stallion, how's that sound? Sounds pretty cool, right? Absolutely. Sounds like, sounds like a guy that can go. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would go with that, and uh, uh, that's Lee be my moniker. So I would love that, and uh, you know, just I like, but I agree with you guys completely. I uh, the, the WWF dropped the ball. It should have been uh, the Legion of Doom and Demolition uh, at at, mo- at the main pay per views, and and also I had gotten tickets back in '92 when the, when WrestleMania was in Indianapolis because uh, my friends and I um, thought that the main event was going to be Flair versus Hogan. I guess that was what WrestleMania six, I believe. But anyway, we had gotten tickets. Went all the way out to Indianapolis to the Hoosier Dome, and we thought that was going to be the uh, main event. And you know, McMahon dropped the ball on that. He changed the main event up. I guess it was uh, <clears throat> Flair and uh, Savage, and uh, what was it Hogan and Sid Justice? So that was like completely. Uh, they completely dropped the ball on that. <clears throat> it would have been something to see Flair come into the company and headline WrestleMania with Hogan. I think that's what all the fans were hungry to see. And so I don't know why it didn't happen, but I know a lot of people <laughs> were let down oh. um, by that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as far as the uh, the Legion of Doom and the Road Warriors are concerned, I, I read uh, I actually read the Road War Animals book, which was excellent read if you ever guys ever get a chance to read it. He said the one thing he regretted in his time in the WWF, they got a little too, um, I guess uh, McMahon got a little too crazy with the uh, commercializing them. And when uh, Paul Ellering brought in the uh, the ventriloquist, I guess his name was Rocco. Yep. He said he was a little ups- He said he was a little upset with that because it got away. They were trying to commercialize themselves a little bit too much toward the kids, and it got a, they kind of got away from their uh, their mean, like, street image, their tough image of being, like, you know, the baddest guys on the block. So, but, Rocco. Uh, what a great <laughs> run, though. What a, what a great run. Who booked who yeah. that shit? Rocco. Right. I remember was, uh... Rocco. You guys remember Rocco, the, the little ventriloquist? Yes. That's Unfortunately, yeah. yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, yes. Yes. He did not fit in with them. That was just a, that was really a bad move on, on their part because I know they, I know McMahon made a lot of money off them too, selling the, uh, the, uh, the red, uh, shoulder pads and all that stuff. So, and they had a great look, they had a great look in the WWF with those red and black shoulder pads. They really looked awesome. They did. I absolutely looked iconic. And like you said, it's, it's too bad. They went away from that tough guy persona because if they would have just kept kicking butt, that's the LOD that fans wanted to see, not the, not the weird storylines that they went down later in their career. Exactly, exactly, guys. But listen, guys, it's always always great talking to you guys, and uh, as always, keep up the great work with the show. And uh, Tommy, I got to give you the line before I go. You know, I got to give you the the Piper line. <laughs> You're bleeding, man. You're bleeding. <laughs> Awesome, man. I'm not, <laughs> so listen, I'll, never, I'll never forget you were my you were my knight in shining armor that day, brother. <laughs> listen, guys, take care, and as always, keep up the great work, and uh, looking forward to next week. Awesome, All right, man. thank, thank you, you so much, Tom. All right, take care, Jay. Take care. I will. You too, Tom. Thank you so much for calling in, Tommy. Tom brought up a very good little uh, tidbit there about the merchandising of the Legion of Doom they had. You know, everybody could have a foam finger, a foam finger of some kind, but they actually produced kind of a foam set of these iconic Legion of Doom shoulder pads and spikes. I'm going to ask you two things. First of all, you were the kid that had just about everything. I want to know if you had those as a kid, and I also want to know if you have any interesting Road Warriors merchandise currently in your store. Uh, Yeah, I definitely had them as a kid. I 
pretty sure I did. I had, and actually, as far as merchandise goes, I'm looking around right now. Yes, I actually have an original uh, 19. What, what year did they debut in WWF? 90. Uh, either 90 or, uh, or 90. Oh, I'm sorry, 90. What am, I, what am I talking about? 90 or 91. Right, I'll anyway, find that out. You ri- keep talking. The original Legion of Doom uh, poster that they would have in the back in the in the merchandise catalog, I actually have that framed hanging up in the store right now. It's really cool looking. Yeah, that's an iconic poster. I will tell you this. Back then in the early 90s, they knew how to – print a poster or put together a poster because there are some iconic posters from that time frame. And Legion of Doom had such a look that they just looked great on any of the photos or any of the posters. Obviously they have Hasbro figures. They've got multiple lines of figures, but I think Hasbro was probably the first WWF uh, action figure for Legion of Doom. And I got to believe those are rare figures. You're in the industry, man. I, I got to assume the hawk and animal go for quite a bit, especially because, if I remember right, the little spikes can snap off if you play too rough with them. <laughs> yes. So let me let me ask you a question, Jay. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring that. And also, obviously, we have uh, I think we have some loose Legion of Doom Hasbro figures in, in stock right now as well. Uh, let me ask you the same question. It's actually a two part question. One. How familiar were you, because I know you were a WWF kid growing up as well, how familiar were you with the Road Warriors when they first came to WWF? Obviously, you know, you, 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 you got the magazine as well, not Wrestling Eye, obviously, but uh, you, you got the Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the Wrestler and Inside Wrestling. So I know you followed along through the, the magazines, but how much NWA did you watch as a kid growing up? I don't think we ever discussed that before. And... Uh, again, how much did you know about them going into the WWF? That was partly one question, too. How excited were you that they were finally there? Well, that's an excellent question. Now, they spent some time in the American Wrestling Association, the AWA, which is what I, was out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Now, I will say, when I was at the age where I actually started loving wrestling and tuning into it, the AWA was kind of on the way out. I would say the heyday of the AWA had passed when I started watching professional wrestling, but I would still see some occasionally. My first introduction to the Road Warriors was, like you said, on magazine covers inside the grocery store, and then I would read the articles. And I will tell you this. Anybody that was not a WWF guy always raised my eyebrow because I was like, who are these guys? Why are they in the magazine? When are they coming? Why aren't they in the WWF? When are they coming? And one of the things I remember seeing is the storyline where they took out one of their spikes and they stabbed it into the eye of Dusty Rhodes. And I saw pictures of this and how gruesome it was and how nothing like that was taking place in the World Wrestling Federation during this time. WF was very kid-oriented, very kid-friendly. And to see that kind of violence uh, from a pro wrestling team really kind of put me I'll be honest I put me on edge I was kind of intimidated of them but by the time they came to the World Wrestling Federation how could you not instantly fall in love with the intense music the face paint the shoulder pads so whether I was scared of them or whether I knew nothing about them the minute you saw them on your TV you were like this is it. This is, this is amazing. Who are these people I got to watch? And so in my mind, they had a reputation in my own mind of being really true tough guys that just really beat people up. And so it was interesting to see them come in and interesting to see them match up with some of the tag teams I had been watching on, on the WF programming, but I was excited. And obviously once you get older and you fall in love with wrestling, you start, looking at everything you start grabbing old magazines you start watching old videotapes you try to find out as much as you can and when you see some of the amazing stuff that the road warriors were doing whether it was in the nwa whether it was in the wcw you just can't help but be impressed with what they do inside the ring and so my knowledge was limited at the beginning but instantly fell in love and then just wanted to learn more about them as well looking at their collection of work Tommy 
Are there any matches or moments? I mentioned the Dusty Rhodes with the spike in the eye. You know, they had the famous um, match on the scaffolding, uh, which was something that you would never see in the World Wrestling Federation at that time. And so that was kind of an eye-catching thing to see people wrestling on scaffolding high above the ring. Um, And that's where uh, Jim Cornette ends up blowing out both his knees during that match. What are some of the moments that when you start thinking about the road wars that instantly come into your head? Tommy, are you there? Either your, either your microphone dropped off or I just went on a very long uh, ramp and just put you to sleep. And so if that's the case, I apologize. Maybe you're running to the back to look for other Legion of Doom type merchandise. But either way, we'll do our best to keep the conversation rolling. Uh, we got a call waiting on the slam line area code 201. We're coming to you next. Welcome to the program. You're on with Jumpin' Jay. What's your name and where are you calling from? This is Tommy Tommy Fierro calling from New Jersey. Jersey. Tommy, what happened, brother? My internet internet knocked out, but I I got back on. But uh, I I was on the telephone, too, so I just waited on. I'm here now. Sorry about that. Listen, I really thought I put you to sleep with my rambling because I went on and on, and then I went to check base with you, and, and nothing but dead air. My internet dropped out. I'm sorry about that. It's back up now, but I'm back. <laughs> and what's great is I didn't even look at the phone number completely. I looked at the area code 201, ran down my list of numbers, and I'm like, That's awesome. yeah, and so I'm like, we got to check the caller. So. I think I was asking you, maybe you heard it while you were waiting in the rings. Do you have any moments or memories that stand out to you when you just hear the name Road Wars? Like, what's the first one or two things that pop in your mind, match-wise, career-wise, from those two guys? I would probably think that the majority of their stuff would probably be in the NWA, just because I think that they had a, a, a much bigger career in the NWA. So you might look back to some of those classic matches they had with, you know, the Midnight Express or, you know, being a part of war games, you know, teaming with Dusty Rhodes. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of road war memories and there, and there are some in WWF as well. I just, I just, I just think looking back at it now, uh, you know, being involved in the business and, 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 and being creative that they could have done a much better job in my opinion. Uh, with with the Road Warriors in the WWF, I, I understand that you know they couldn't be called the Road Warriors for you know different reasons, and they you know they were the Legion of Doom, but they were still the same guys. So I think that they probably could have been booked a little bit more strongly in in, in certain situations. Um, not that they not that they were used badly in WWF by no stretch of the imagination were they. Uh, like I said, I, I, just, I just can't get past the fact that their first big marquee match should have been against demolition at a WrestleMania. And then you, you, the, you know, the previous caller, Tom had talked about that, 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 that Vigilius, uh, Rocco, that was just, it was just so silly and so stupid. And like, it kind of like made, uh, the road warriors, these badass kick-ass monsters from the NWA now with a freaking, uh, a manager that has a little doll talking for him. It just kind of made them look like a cartoon version of themselves, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think that WWF could have done a much better job uh, booking the uh, Road Warriors. And, and you know me, man. I'm always sticking up for WWF, uh, but not in this instance. I think that they, they probably overall, the overall history of the Legion of Doom in the WWF, I, I think that they dropped the ball. How about you? Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, most of the big-time memories are coming outside of the World Wrestling Federation, whether it be the scaffolding match, whether it be war games, whether it be um, teaming up uh, in different six-man tags in WCW. They had a a historic career. They're going to go down as one of the most dominant tag teams of all time. And I think, unfortunately, since they, they both passed, but I think because they both passed, their legend is only going to grow bigger 
and bigger and bigger because they're not guys that you can meet anymore. They're not guys that you can have conversations with. So what they did inside that ring is kind of what we have to remember them by. And I think their sheer dominance is going to carry on the legacy. I think forever it'll be known as the, the road warrior pop when wrestlers get a big ovation, whether that's today or whether that's 30 years from now, I think they'll still refer to it as a road warrior pop. And so I think they're always going to be ingrained in the culture of professional wrestling. And I think that's fitting. I think they should be. They accomplished so much. They were so entertaining that they deserve to go down is one of, if not the most iconic tag teams of all time. Tommy, we got about five minutes left in the program. If you have any closing thoughts on the Warriors, I'll hear them, I'll hear them now. Otherwise, I want to talk to you about what else you have coming up, ISPW-wise, 80s wrestling-wise. But before we transition to all that, I want to know if you were tapped on the shoulder to be the third member of the greatest tag team of all time. You got Animal on one side, Hawk on the other side. What are we calling Tommy as part of that team? Fiero. Just Fierro, which is <laughs> got to be Spanish for fire or something. I don't know. I actually was going to go back to Tommy Sheik for a minute, but my voice, like, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm on my, uh, my voice hurting for the remainder of the day. Right. Uh, but uh, it's funny. A couple of people came in the shop the other day, Jay, and uh, they told me, and I might have to actually do it because they told me how much they missed. Uh, Tommy Sheik and ask if the next episode, if, if he can make a cameo appearance. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you want that or you want my Bushwhacker Luke? You tell me. Well, I, I listen, I know it's going to hurt your, your, your pipes there, but if the fans ask for it, Tommy's the kind of guy that's going to deliver. So let me ask you this. Uh, Tommy Sheik, we're wrapping up our show on the Road Warriors. What people say could be the most dominant tag team to ever walk the planet. Tommy Sheik, what's your take on Hawk and Animal? First of all, I'd like to say hello to all the wrestling fans all around the Road River. They remember Aaron Sheik. Road Wrestling Federation Chop. WWF Texas Chop. Nikolai Volkov. Fuck you, the Road Warriors. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. Well, yeah, that. I don't think he's. I think that he got more insulting. Because remember, him and him and Nikolai were Titan champions. So you know, I I should have said that. I might yeah. ever hear him on the show. I miss I misspoke. I shouldn't have said they were the most dominant tag team because I think you're right. I think I upset him. Yeah, I think I don't think he's coming back, brother. Unfortunately, I, listen, I love, I really enjoy the way he says "champ." I'm going to miss hearing that. <laughs> awesome, man! All right, Tommy. But, uh, yeah, Fiero, we got, so yeah, just just, uh, just getting ready for. Like I said, we have uh, Buff Bagwell this coming Saturday at the Wrestling Collector, Route 23, Stockholm, New Jersey. Then we're batting down for nine consecutive signings at the New Jersey State Fair at the Sussex County Fairgrounds in Augusta, New Jersey, from August 5th to August 13th. Uh, headlining that will be Jim Ross and X-Pac, and then ISPW returns to uh, Butler, New Jersey, at St. Anthony's Church Gym on Friday evening, August 19th. So, uh, yeah, man, just plugging along, and I got some other big things I'm working on right now as well, which I should be talking about in the next day or so. All exciting stuff, Tommy, and I did take a sneak peek at the Facebook page here during the show to see some of the pictures from the cutting room floor. First of all, it looks like an amazing time. It looks like it was an incredible time, and I'm so happy that it was a success for you. And second of all, your hair. You said you were going to get it cut before, and you were styling and profiling in those pictures, (laughs) my friend. Standing next to Brutus with a fresh cut. That's the way to live life. <laughs> That's amazing. You're a very funny man. You did get a hair. You look sharp, though. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, yeah, I, look like, I look like a handsome Henry, don't I? Yeah, listen, handsome Henry. Yeah, you had fresh cut, smile on the face. Looks like a really good time. So I'm excited, and I can't wait. And I'm assuming, I got to watch some videos, but I'm assuming the music was just incredible as well. 
Oh, that's absolutely fantastic, man. I can't wait for you to get the opportunity to, to, to get a sneak peek of it and, and learn more about it. Again, anyone out there, uh, please head over to the last match musical com again the last match musical.com a lot of big things on the horizon there man all right sounds good tommy it's 10 o'clock what a show in the books the road warriors i'll let you do the wrap-up my friend it's been another great episode thank you for sharing the morning with me thank you man i hope you and your family as always brother have a great and wonderful weekend everyone at home please do the same if you live in the new jersey area come and visit me at the wrestling collector and here every day And until next week, we'll see you right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.